0: begin by introducing Mushishi to our audience. Mushishi is a slice of life supernatural anime. At the core of this is Mushi, supposedly the most basic of life forms. Mushi exists in many different forms and are able to mimic things from nature including plant, water, animals etc. The entire story revolves around the crux that are Mushi good or evil. Ginko, the main protagonist of the anime is a Mushishi He is basically a researcher dedicated to unearthing the mysteries of Mushi. He travels the length and breadth of Japan trying to uncover more about these ethereal creatures. Having said this context, I'll start off by telling you how I first encountered Mushishi Shiva. Back in 2008, I saw Mushishi anime for the first time. I honestly did not like it much because the colors were dark, the stories were oftentimes depressing. Uh, then I re-watched it in 2011 because I was going through this whole horror anime section. Then I remembered about this anime and watched it. The second time, I actually liked it a lot more. One, of course, I was watching it in winter. Gloom and doom all around anyways. But then my perspective had also obviously changed from 2008 to 2011. I was able to appreciate the anime a lot more without spoiling As to why I was able to appreciate it, right? We'll obviously talk about it. And then, of course, when the second season came out in 2014, I saw season one again and season two again. And the third time's the charm. So I just simply loved it. So it's an anime that I often recommend to people, even if they've never seen anime before. And it's an anime I usually go back to every year. Not all episodes, but some episodes I do go back and rewatch because it's an anime that's phenomenally beautiful. So I'll pass here. Tell me what is your opinion and feelings, and what was the first time you encountered Mushishi?
1: Thank you for that introduction, Anime Senpai. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The episodic nature of the Mushishi series makes it very easy to rewatch something at random. There is a loose thread, but it is not binding, which means there's a the backstory. So you understand Ginkgo, the main character, better over the episodes. But it's not like they are slowly unraveling something that is linear. They are unraveling bits and pieces. The main story that is occurring, this is is the underlying story, your discovery of the protagonist's personal life. The main story of the episodes are self-contained. Which means it's so good to just relax watching an episode of Mushishi. In fact, I have been re-watching for the sake of our podcast here. And the best time I have realized to watch it is just before going to bed. When you're slightly tired, your brain is uh, slightly fuzzy and open to interpretations. That's the beauty of Mushi, right? The Mushishi stories are extremely open to interpretation because they're imaginary stories with these imaginary creatures called Mushi. But the impact on humans is real. Real people are suffering. Real people are purposely enjoying unearned benefits, for example. People who do not want to let go of the benefits of a Mushi affecting them even though it will kill them in the long run. That's the theme that recurs quite a bit. That's a real human impact, right? They're easy analogies to real life. Somebody's pursuing something that's obviously harmful for them in the long run. They know about it. They're not ignorant about it. But the short-term benefits uh, outweigh that long-term health concerns. And that's the beauty of it. It's really real that way. At the same time, it takes you a little bit into this fantasy space, which helps you disconnect from your own real life extremely peaceful in terms of the background score, the artwork, the general pacing, and the flow of events themselves. I mean, there is a little bit of thrill when there is a problem to be solved or or an obstacle to be overcome. But yeah, it's a fantastic wind down. It's a two-dimensional nightcap. That's what I would call it. For me, at least.
0: I'll just quickly set context for viewers. So what happens in episodes, this mushi, this ethereal creature... Is it alive? Is it dead? It's completely unknown. In one episode, this creature gives eyesight to a blind girl. In another episode, this mushi impersonates a baby and the parents take care of this mushi because it takes a form of a human baby. Then in one episode, this mushi takes a form of water and flows from one area to another. And then in one episode, it takes a form of sake. So there's many things that happens with mushi. In the anime, one of the characters actually mentioned that these mushi is essentially just doing what it is supposed to do. Cloud mushi. It absorbs moisture, releases that in form of snow mushi, essentially impersonates snow, like a real snow that falls on earth. So each mushi has its own type at least in the anime, majority of them are portrayed to be harmful. In a sense, they're not harmful because they exist to cause harm. They are harmful when they come in contact with humans. They cause some kind of combustion between human can and Mushi and then there is some resulting effects that happen to the human body, to the society at large, sometimes to nature itself. One Mushi becomes like a weed and destroys crops. So there are many things that happens to Mushi, but at the core of it, Mushi is essentially doing what it's supposed to do like any other human being or any other living creature. I actually wanted to go back to your point, Shubham, about how you enjoyed watching it at night, like sort of winding down. For me, the anime in itself, every episode made me either cringe or feel bad or some sort of melancholy was there. I remember thinking way into the night, pondering about Ginkgo's morality in this anime because he goes about... In a very nonchalant manner, right, he does not take a stand for Mushi or against Mushi. In any circumstance where the Mushi is causing harm to the human beings or the animals, he, of course, tries and solve the problem that the Mushi has caused. But in none of the episodes across two seasons, I'm not sure how it is in the manga, does he ever critique or criticize Mushi? Even when people want to kill or destroy Mushi, his first reaction is no. So I just wanted to ask, how did this affect you, especially at night when you're watching this as a way
1: to unwind? It's brilliant. Ginkgo is extremely inclusive of all existences. Even the people who are trying to take advantage of Mushi effects, he's turned towards them, but he's not judgmental. He understands why they would be tempted to use the short-term benefits of the effects of a Mushi, which long-term may not be good overall. That sort of acceptance is great at the end of the day. Because stuff happens, right? People at your workplace may not have behaved towards you or reacted towards your work in a way that you'd like. There'll be always those little blips. No day is 100% perfect. We do have some of them, thankfully. But the average day has ups and downs. And the downs can make you remain down by the time you're going to sleep. To be able to watch Ginkgo be accepting of all the downs that fellow human beings are doing, in the context of Mushi and interacting Mm. with them, It's a great fit for you to accept, to be in that accepting mode? That's another reason why I really like it. I would like to have the temperament of Ginkgo at the end of the day, (laughs) which is accepting and emotionally stable. Great way to go to bed, right? Re-energizes, re-stabilizes you before you head off to Morpheus land.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Morpheus land. I 100% agree with what you're saying. But one thing I did find was a gap in the... Anime. Maybe it's covered in depth in the manga. Maybe this is a cue for us to go and read the manga eventually. There's not much focus on who Ginkgo is. In the sense, we don't hear his inner monologue. His actions are, of course, what helps us infer about him as a person. But there's not much we know about what he's thinking. Like in episodes where he sees human suffering, like a lady has lost her husband. She's Desolate. Because of that, she's captured by Mushi and Ginkgo tells her, think about yourself. That's something that he very often repeats, like when he meets people who are caught in their misfortune. It could be a loss of life, it could be a loss of partner, it could be a loss of a child or family wealth. They're unable to break free and become a sort of a target for Mushi. And then Ginkgo says, "Okay, think about yourself and the need to live for yourself, but not much is known about Ginkgo's thought process. It's not revealed. Why do you think somebody should not value in self-pity or whatever it is that they're valuing, right? What is causing you to give what is essentially solid advice, but still advice like these. And what happens when you see people who willingly accept the ill effects of Mushi, want it for themselves so that they can manipulate the power that some Mushi brings? What is his thought process? Some of those elements were missing, or at least I personally couldn't infer anything about Ginkgo as an individual first before being a mushishi. What I would have loved to see more of was Ginkgo have these moral dilemmas with himself. What are your thoughts around it, Shiva?
1: Interesting point. Ginkgo is emotionally detached from the situation, right? Which is why he's able to deduct the issue or find a solution quickly. But the flip side is he doesn't truly connect with the problems of the folks he comes into contact with. I didn't notice it much because Ginkgo is a traveler. Hmm. I won't reveal too much, but he cannot stay in one place for too long due to a condition. Because he doesn't stay for too long, he actually hasn't undergone the problems of, in, in Indian terms, sansara. He's closer to a traveling sannyasi. He provides relief, maybe not from a spiritual or emotional perspective like an Indian sannyasi would, but definitely is a similar context. The society or individual or a few people are suffering and they need the outside perspective to solve it because internally within their group, they have not managed to solve it. It's not always true that only through a lack of empathy can we come to a good rational solution. But that is heavily implied in the series. But it's also common in other stories involving travelers. So it's not new, but it's something to think about, something to discuss. Is that a good thing? Portraying this sort of distance towards the human condition. And let's face it, Ginkgo doesn't look normal. One, he's wearing Western clothing compared to everybody else. Yeah. Then there's his appearance, the color of his eyes, the color of his hair. There are reasons why they are different, of course. It's out there, the explanation. You'll discover it (laughs) once you go (laughs) through everything. But yeah, he's set aside from the beginning. It is no different from somebody wearing really bright orange clothes while traveling. Uh, Sanyasir right but traveling through a forest you don't want to be wearing orange all animals can <laughs> see you and pounce on yeah. you but you're wearing orange right bright you set yourself apart from normal society thanks for bringing it to my attention that's an interesting point i didn't notice it so much this is the best explanation i could come up with hmm. as to why such a character was written and why they've not bothered explaining too much because i think it's more of a trope than something to do just with kinko the character
0: that is true in a lot of other animes or manga where the main character is a wanderer, keeps moving from town to town, village to village. The common thing is like they don't anchor down, they don't create any kind of comfortable situation that will cause them to nest in any manner, be it with Ginkgo or even in Vagabond, which is one of our other favorite uh, mangas. But that brings me to the question of, in, in the anime, it is obviously not explicitly stated that whether Mushi is good or bad. The way I inferred it based on Ginko, because I'm watching the anime through Ginko's eyes, right? Because he's a mushishi, he's the one who's traveling around Japan, researching these Mushi and solving the problems that could be caused by the Mushi. So when I think about whether Mushi is good or bad, I honestly have a very neutral opinion on that right now. I don't know if it'll change over more repeated viewings or if I read the manga, it'll change. But in the two anime seasons that I've seen, in many episodes, Mushi causes harm. But it causes harm when it comes either in contact with humans or when humans try to leverage the power of Mushi for their own reasons, right? Like in one episode where this father figure manipulates a Mushi, manipulates his daughter so that Mushi takes control of her. In one episode, this young mother who desperately wants a baby, wants a family, accepts this mushi. I don't want to spoil it for people, but you know. You might
1: already have.
0: I already have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there are many instances where human beings willingly also manipulate and accept the manipulations of the mushi.
1: About humans being attracted to unhealthy but temporary pleasures. We were able to translate the mushi in- issue into something actually real, but the emotional effect is the same on the human being. Ginkgo was forced to take away that woman's lack. Something that was yeah. fulfilling her. He was asking her to become incomplete again. How do you convince this person? No, just, it's it's okay. I know you're going to suffer, but it's worth it in the long run. In real life, it's not going to happen. It's extremely hard. And I'm sure all of us have had some friend or the other, if not ourselves, in that situation. You're in a job that pays really well, but everything else is really harmful to you. Maybe it's the pay. Maybe it's the brand name of your employer. Those things give you certain perceived benefits but are actually harmful to you in the long run and asking someone to quit that is you no know, easy task and it usually fails yeah but ginkgo succeeds for some reason but that's also because it becomes extremely extreme in the episode right that one was a, a yeah, more of yeah. a classic horror storyline especially you know the voice acting and the effects and all that it felt like classic horror it was uh, not as mushy as the other episodes but it was still that's great actually. fun i really liked it again thanks to the insights on human behavior and human lack Right. Yeah. Uh, it really reminded me of the lessons of on Lacanian lack theory. So <laughs> I was quite happy about that.
0: When you said Ginkgo solves a problem, it triggered a particular thought. In episodes like this, where we're talking about the mother, what if the lady in question, even though average human beings cannot see the Mushi, willingly seeks out similar Mushi. Similarly, in one episode, this very young girl, because of some tragedy, willingly accepts the Mushi so that the Mushi lets her forget her pain. That is one episode where Ginkgo completely fails in solving the problem. He leaves because there's nothing he can do because they willingly accept Mushi. I wonder if one of the major gaps in the anime per se is that these problems are not resolved 100% because these problems are twofold. It's a human problem compounded by a Mushi. In a lot of these cases, when it brings out the worst in human beings, although Ginkgo temporarily resolves the issue, there is no... Way of confident is saying these people have not gone back and sought the effects of Mushi again. Because Ginkgo never revisits them. Then my question is, is there a way Ginkgo can truly solve the problem? Because in none of the episodes does he directly kill or destroy Mushi, right? Why doesn't he go and just destroy all the Mushi, especially the ones that, that are causing so much harm? And where he has no guarantee that the people will not go back and actively seek the effects of these Mushi. Or are we to assume a person who has come in contact with the Mushi has seen the ill effects and does not want that to happen to them again? I thought that was one of the gaps in the anime. Maybe in the storytelling. What do you think, Shivam?
1: Yeah, so what you might be calling a bug, I feel it's a feature. I used the metaphor of a sanyasi before. I think Mushishi is more like a traveling shaman. He's sort of a doctor. Now doctor cannot eradicate disease he can only solve a specific instance of it and if you are thinking from a behavior perspective destroying the mushi does not reduce the human problem that behavior is not gone so even if they don't get it from mushi they might get it from a drug or they might get it from another exploitative human i think mushishi the series by design is about how problems need to be solved continuously for important issues There is no point at which you can say, hey, I'm done with this forever. You have to continue being vigilant and you have to continue looking out for this problem creeping back again into your life. And thankfully, the experience you've gained due to Ginkgo's intervention or remedial process, hopefully you're able to catch it the next time and avoid the problems yourself. Or know to call a mushishi next time. That's a common theme. Ginkgo receives letters from places and he travels there. And then they realize the problem is much bigger than they thought. Hopefully the next time they will be far more proactive in calling a capable mushishi to help them out. That's where I feel it's a feature. It tells the audience. The biggest, most interesting problems in life actually never go away. They have to be managed every time and that makes it interesting. That was my interpretation.
0: Yeah, I 100% get what you were saying. The way I see it is the mangaka is using mushi as a a way to help people could be the audience could be the characters in the manga and the anime reflect and understand human feelings for all kinds of desires as well right not just human feelings the good the bad and you know so every time I say good, the bad, the ugly, I have to go back to Elie Wiesel's character who's ugly, and his famous quote. I'm sure many of you have heard of it, right? If you if you want to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. It's a fabulous uh, <laughs> uh, dialogue, and it's a fabulous movie. It's it's a movie I watch uh, once a year without fame. It's also a brilliant way of exposing human behaviors. Like the three characters are embodiments of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because it's who they are on the inside and how their actions sort of resonate with the name that is assigned to them. Anyways, digress a bit too much. Yeah, but coming back to Mushishi, and I'm just uh, assuming and putting myself in the author's shoe, that Mushi is a catalyst for people to reflect on society, reflect on human behavior, human feelings, on a community, right? Because a lot of these characters also live within small communities where they encounter the mushi and how that affects the community at large in some cases. It's not just one person who is directly affected by the the Mushi; It it has a reverberating effect in that small, tiny village that, that they might be living. So that's an interesting way... For the author, I, again, I don't want to suppose for the author to get the readers to reflect on our humanness, I guess. Mushi to me, is a catalyst that way. Moving from, maybe slightly from the story, just thinking about the art, right? Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the art of Mushishi? How did you like it? The colors, the voice acting, was, was it all to your liking? What did you not like?
1: Right. So the production quality of the Mushishi series is extremely high. I loved it because of the art for sure. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I chanced upon Mushishi. There was no recommendation or, you know, some manga, you nothing. Know, I had just signed up for one of these streaming services back in the day. I think it was Amazon Prime Video it had just launched in India and I was trying it out. And they had a bunch of good anime back then. Now it's a different story. Mushishi was (laughs) one of them. And I was like, wow, what is this? Uh, Anime is there on Amazon Prime. And that was literally one of the first things that was showing up, which did not have a scantily clad twin girl, right? So to speak. (laughs) You know what I mean. That's that's a problem in the industry. (laughs) But uh, I said, hey, this is a a good thumbnail. I got attracted specifically by the detail of the artwork in the thumbnail. And Mushishi, I'll admit it now, it was my first non-shonen anime. Hmm. I think right before Mushishi, I had just finished stuff like Bleach and uh, Gandam, Double Zero. And I like that stuff. I, I will not deny it. I even enjoy them today. But Mushishi was this first one that like, okay, I want to watch anime not just for entertainment value. Right. right? But as a cultural benefit. Right? Mm-hmm. It would replace a book for me, so to speak. Yeah. The production is what got me hooked, right? Of course, the content is what kept me hooked. But the artwork is gorgeous. The foliage, the nature, and even the mushi, how they're depicted, and they are an imaginary element. They are so thoughtfully done. Whenever my wife chances upon my screen while I'm rewatching the stuff, she said, Wow, just, you know, can you do a screen grab? I want to be able to paint this or use it as my desktop background. And it's not chance frames in the anime, it's throughout. It's so well composed, it's so well painted, it's ridiculously good that way. Even if the story was trash, I would have recommended this anime to people just to watch Mm -hmm. for the artwork, right? Especially creative people, those who enjoy or understand the labor behind such high production values. But fortunately for us, that's not the only thing that's good about it. The voice acting is another thing. There are these various characters and these various emotions and these various situations. But not once have I felt that the voices were distracting from the story, right? Which is... Perhaps the highest goal of any voice acting. To enhance and not distract. So Mushishi get top-notch for voice acting. Maybe Ginkgo's is uh, maybe not the best for that matter. It's a little staccato-ish. But I guess it is a bit weird because Ginkgo is a bit weird. Like I said, his appearance is a little weird and his uh, demeanor is a little weird. So maybe his voice being a little weird is good. But uh, for all the other characters, the children, the adults, those who are suffering or those who are afflicted... Uh, the supernatural sometimes the mushi has a voice right or they sound or something like that and the soundtrack the soundtrack which uh, tells you that the next few seconds is going to be ominous or the next few seconds is going to be resolution the soundtrack's fantastic as well and the first season's starting song is so catchy not so great in the second season but the first season's catchy song is like i i hum it here and there you know <laughs> time to i mean anticipation of my evening watching of a Mushishi episode, that song is already there in my head, you know, like a preamble. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, so preamble, sorry, preamble is the French word for it. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I like to flex my uh, French abilities quite a bit because the yeah. French are also very good at uh, comics and uh, animated stuff. So, I get the best of both worlds. I am truly blessed. Yes. <laughs> well, coming back to Mushi, hey, maybe a foreign language is like a Mushi affecting you. No, could be an interesting analogy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like the episode where this lady can see because of the oh yeah that, that, that was a fantastic yeah. episode that was a really fantastic episode
1: it was more yeah. traditionally like an indian sounding story yeah. anyway i digress so the production values are great the sound the voice quality is fantastic the background score is fantastic the art quality mm-hmm. is exceptional and of course the story pacing and we have, we have spoken about that already it's it's truly a well-done piece of content a benchmark in most cases to judge all other anime, not even anime, even normal television series that you want to invest some time watching from end to end. It's like, is it as good? Is watching this new stuff better than re-watching Mushishi? That's the comparison I need to make. Yeah. And most yeah. of the time, the, the new stuff fails, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah. It, it fails on so many levels. One is, I also think that there's sort of misunderstanding of what a slice of life anime can be. Basically, most of them revolve around uh, school, the standard tropes you know, teenage girls or teenage boys as groups undergoing coming of age or uh, just having fun. Like some some are really good, like Nichijo and Danchi Kosei, and all. They're really good. But a lot of them fail to capture the, the true essence of what is a slice of life anime. And in the recent years, slice of life anime has de- definitely taken a beating because it is mixed with a little bit of the isekai genre where essentially something happens boy collides with a with a van or something like that but it's uh, isekai is essentially that uh, where you get transported to another world but there are uh, really good animes uh, with isekai as a theme Uh, seven kingdoms is one which is Slightly mecha; it has some mecha elements involved, which is, which is quite nice. But again, we keep digressing. Going back to uh, Mushishi, what I actually, I, I, because I recently started re-watching this another anime, one of my favorite animes, uh, Seire no Moribito, and the color themes of that anime is very similar to Mushishi. Then I sort of was Googling a bit and uh, was looking at animes that came out in that period, 2003, 4, 5 to maybe about 2008 9 the color themes were very similar. A lot of blues, a lot of greens, very beautiful, natural surrounding setting. The colors seem more natural compared to the color palettes that the animes use uh, today.
1: Hmm.
0: These are much brighter, right? Like the ones you see today are so much brighter. I sometimes have to dim the brightness so that I, I can watch them because the tones are just very sharp. Whereas in Mushishi, it's very uh, muted very subtle it's very dark also right in lot of cases where the the green the forest is done very beautifully the browns of the roads the greens of the trees and, and the whites of the snow even they are still muted compared to how bright they are these days my only grouse with the the anime art is how all the characters actually look the same once you if once you pay attention to it you'll be like oh my god wait i saw this face somewhere else in the previous episode or maybe it was a side character side character's face is now a main character's face in this episode uh all the kids look the same their side profile looks the same uh, uh the only reason it doesn't confuse is because the protagonist of the of the story is ginkgo and that's very evident you can clearly tell that it is set around Ginkgo and, and obviously Ginkgo is colored completely differently compared to rest of the characters who, like you also mentioned, right, wear traditional everybody else wear traditional Japanese clothing except Ginkgo, who's uh, wearing Western clothes He's in a shirt and a pant. And th- because this anime is set there's no time that is given, but based on you know, lack of technology, lack of electricity. Lack of general convenience. and. Lack
1: of gunpowder. Lack
0: of gunpowder, yeah.
1: Right? So it's pretty early on. The fact that all the people look the same, right? Even Ginkgo for that matter, he doesn't look that different from the others. In fact, he looks more caricatural than the others. Except that he's of course colored in differently. So he's very distinct in terms of everyone else. That was one bug that I could not turn into a feature in my head. Mm. So I agree with you completely. I initially thought, okay, maybe they're trying to put the focus on nature. And they are sort of undetailing humans because naturally we tend to perceive more details in humans, right? Because that's how we recognize faces and all that's a normal cognitive process in all flesh and blood human beings. And maybe they wanted to desaturate that processing in your brain so that you notice the nature part is what I tried to justify in my head. But I don't think that effect came through primarily because the human problems are more or less similar, right? Uh, A child's reaction to an adult Whom they care about. Getting affected by Amushi. It's sort of similar across uh, many stories. And the child looks the same. And the adult looks the same. And the problem is somewhat the same. The thing is, when I'm watching a wonderful story, I'm sort of remembering, Hey, this character looks like an earlier character. Are they the same? Those questions are not helping me get enthralled by the story any further. They're distracting. Which is why I would say this is a bug and not a feature. Because it's distracting. It's not enhanced the storytelling. Unlike uh, a lot of the others. So I would completely agree with you. This is one thing that could have been done better. But on the other hand, you know a little more about anime production, right? So human movement, human faces, features, characters, they require a little more budget, right? Because generally they are moving and so you have to draw more frames or stuff like that. And any disparity, so any anomaly in the animation, which means it doesn't look real, the pacing, the movement. We would notice that more in humans than, I don't know, if a leaf wasn't floating in the wind properly because... In real life also, we don't notice that as much as we notice, for example, twitches in human faces, right? In order to recognize nonverbal cues and emotions and stuff like that. Do you think it was more of a budget thing? They decided to, with the resources that they have, which seem generous, to be honest, they decided to prioritize nature over humans because that's what the stories are about. What do you think? So about that hypothesis yeah
0: I, I would think it's a combination the way they obviously cheaped out on the on the budget <laughs> is the when, when you view the character in in the distance shot th- their faces are not clear obviously it's a blank face right you can tell when they turn to the side the features again are very blunt and dull and you basically can't see because sometimes they just use the hair as a way to cover you know some of these instances right the reason why i say it's a combination is because the manga co- so a lot of the anime is to the template than the manga, if the, if the source material is manga, then they try to stick to the manga uh, features, right? So I I would say it's also the artistic talent of the mangaka, in the sense it's easier for a mangaka to obviously uh, use similar palettes, same same set of stencil to keep creating characters in the, in, uh, the back-end characters, right, like side characters. So I think it's a combination. I'm pretty sure uh, the budget for Mushishi was not very high, obviously. I think it's a good thing that it didn't have any action scenes because if you've seen a lot of these good animes, but low budget, like for example, if you take One Piece, uh, you can tell, because it's a long-running series, you can clearly tell where, where there are major animation issues because, you know, they didn't have the money. So they, they kind of, like I said, make a blank face where there is, the features are not visible. They zoom out of the characters so that they don't have to draw details of the characters and stuff like that. At least Mushishi doesn't suffer from that much of an issue but yes I would say it's a combination of one the mangaka how the mangaka has drawn these side characters the studio of course using that template and not elaborating on the character features because obviously they didn't have the money they didn't have the budget for some of these. But Ginkgo was... Even Ginkgo actually, in, in some scenes, he he was not done well. The emotional effect that he was showing was not clear, was not animated properly. There were some issues I found in his features as well. But well, there were far and few in between for Ginkgo. But on, on the side characters, the, it was very evidently visible.
1: This is an interesting learning for me that sometimes the anime's art is held back by the original source materials artist's talent, Right. And if they were not very good at drawing, then the main character, because people fall in love with the characters, right? They're not specifically falling in love with the drawing of a tree, for example, (laughs) in the manga. So the studio who's making the anime can take certain liberties with background objects and change the qualities of those objects. But the main characters that are shown in every panel across uh, several volumes of the manga, there are less liberties that they can take, right? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense that if the original mangaka chose a certain art style, they could Cannot veer too far away from it, regardless of the talent they have in the studio.
0: Correct.
1: But at the same time, they made a choice to improve the quality of everything else to improve the storytelling, right? Because, Probably, again, it's yes. it's yes. talking about living beings that are at the edge of sentient and non-sentient nature, right? So, it is about nature at the end of the day and human acceptance and involvement and interaction with it, right? Yeah. Um, so the... That makes sense, yeah. The,
0: the anime where this the the reverse is true is this anime manga anime called gokusen where the mangaka when they started off Sen the art was horrendous like you can't believe how bad the art was it improved over time it, in the first uh maybe first 15 or chapters it really looks like somebody with zero artistic skills actually drew the manga um, and then it improves over time because clearly the mangaka has picked up skills but the anime 'Cause I think it came two, three years after the manga. So the anime actually uses the the improved features of their characters hmm. at the start of the anime. It's obviously the anime took the liberties because in this case they had to.
1: Yeah, it it was oh, so bad that it wouldn't run, so bad. right? In Mushishi's case, it is is dissatisfactory, but it's not a showstopper. I would say, otherwise, we wouldn't have <laughs> rewatched Spend it a million it hard times. Hard right? talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and we won't be recommending it to our listeners <laughs> <laughs> if it was that bad. Gone. Even
0: at its lowest, it is still better than thousands of other animes. Right. Yeah. Like hands down, it is. It is a wonderful, beautiful to visually to look at anime where the anime touches you in ways that. Probably not very common with, with, you know, animes. You don't often find an anime that get, gets you thinking about philosophy. Of course, may, many do. Like, I'm not saying they, they don't. But not the way Mushishi makes you think. Because for me, it induced a little bit of disgust also. About, like, generally disgust of human beings. Be like, whoa. You know, the, the greed, the desires. Which is ridiculous because the, the world around me is constantly like that. It's no different from the the world that Mushishi paints
1: that's so wonderfully slice of life, right? Life mm. is, is not just happy, happy and, you know, going on receiving more superpowers and stuff like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> it is actually, you know, a little bit of disgust, a little bit of smell, a little bit of uh, good, bad and the ugly, right? Yeah. And there is quite a bit of ugly around and how to get back to good from the ugly is the trick. And this uh, anime, yeah, it reminds you of a slice of your life, to be honest, right? The emotions that you have felt.
0: Yeah because uh, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, would I do this in a situation like this? You know, would, I, would I be this upset if this particular thing happened to me? But then of course, I'm not a benchmark to judge. like in each individual's experience is different and their emotions are unique to them. So but it's an interesting thing. It makes you think it, it does at least for me, it made me project some of these internally to. It might happen to other viewers as well, listeners as well, maybe other people. We felt the same way when, when they experienced what the characters experienced, or they could understand or resonate with the characters' suffering or misfortune or even good fortune a lot more than I could in certain cases.
1: And that's what makes it a wonderful piece of art the fact that it yeah. makes you project so easily without being kitschy or preachy or. You know, Correct. It's, it's a self help book without being self help, right? Yeah, they, <laughs> it helps you look into yourself, uh, keeps you entertained. In my case, helps me sleep better. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really a, a golden pill, right? <laughs> So, yeah, I know you're hyping it up a lot, but it's worth the hype for sure. No, it
0: is definitely worth uh-huh. the hype. I, I, I recommend this Mushishi anime to everybody. People I know, even people who don't watch anime, but even then I have recommended. Anybody who's interested in a genre like this, like we said at the start, it's a slice of life combination with supernatural elements with some amount of mystery thrown in here and there because a Ginkgo goes around solving, up you know, these, the mystery of Mushishi there is some amount of history in it whether it's 100% true or not we don't know we have to google and read some of the background stories but it's it's an anime that has a lot to offer for and depending on the view you take it'll definitely keep audience entertained for sure
1: yeah yeah there, I, I don't think there'll be anyone who will find it hard to be entertained in some form by mushishi which is why it's such an easy recommend like you yeah. said
0: yeah yeah so. I, I really hope it gets. I mean, I know a lot of people have based on what, what you find about Mushishu on Reddit and on my anime list. It's a very popular anime. I wouldn't obviously say it's as popular as other slice of life animes. It, it's like, you know, Lucky Star or Joe like we mentioned at the start. But it is definitely worth a watch. It is definitely, it definitely has a fan following, similar to the reasons why you and I love it. People have sort of similar reasons to why they like Mushishi, why they they enjoy this anime as well. And there are people who don't like it, uh, who absolutely hate it because for similar reasons that we already mentioned, the art is off-putting, maybe the story is off-putting because they don't understand what this Mushishi is. There's no explanation for this. And, And the stories sometimes are too personal and there is no action. It's very, you know, slow. There's a lot of conversation. There's constant talking, so that might be off-putting for for many people. Even though you know, uh, obviously you and I loved it. So,
1: I can understand. I mean, a slightly younger, more boisterous audience may not like it, right? Uh, so, literal shonen audience may not like it because they may not have gone through all these adult emotions, so to speak, you know, of pain of parting of lack yeah, yeah i would i wouldn't recommend it to a 16 year old for example obviously. unless unless maybe. they are obviously they feel a little mature beyond their age
0: so maybe that is why yeah. in 2008 when i saw it for the first time i didn't mm. like it because i i obviously couldn't relate to the emotions in the anime and uh, although i have watched slice of life before lucky star being my favorite of all time favorite but that's more like set in school it's about girls set in school that, that's that's a complete that's a comedy so from there obviously it was a big leap to mushishi in 2008 where there's no action there's only melancholy and as I aged, Mushishi has aged for me like fine wine as well I'm able to relate to it more, I'm able to understand it more, I'm able to uh, debate with it in my head a lot more than in in 2008 where my first reaction was, god this is so bleak and dark and unnecessary you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah unnecessary is not a word I would Yeah, so I also discovered it very late and maybe I'm fortunate that way the sooner you come across it the more time you have to re-watch it and keep enjoying it more <laughs> so it's it's like you said it's a fine wine every time you watch it you notice new things about it you get to enjoy it all over again in a new way and there aren't too many pieces of content and art out there right that do that to you we really hope that Mushishi can can do that for our listeners yeah uh, they can enjoy it and it becomes their happy place
0: yeah absolutely Thousand one anime nights resoundingly recommends Yimishishi.